Monday, May 8th, and this is Season 7, Episode 34 of the Four Stars Birds Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What up? Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Sam. Hey, how's it going? Well, um, I want to start the conversation today. Um, it's a bit of a holiday today, um, so I want to wish everybody a uh, happy VA Day, I'm going to call it. Um, no, I'm not talking about the Veterans Administration or Victory in Asia Day. I'm talking Victory Over IAX Day. Um, so this this was the day that uh, that that we uh, went to the uh, sent ourselves to the Champions League uh, uh, final. Um, with how kind of the season's been kind of bad, I thought it would be nice to talk a little something positive uh, from our history before we kind of jump into matches here. Um, so, uh, uh, you guys remember being at the pub that day for sure. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I, I very much remember being at the pub that day. Not too much what happened afterward. Uh, but yeah, that was like, since I moved to Chicago in 2016, probably like my favorite day since moving here in, in my life. Um, just remember, like we won't, I, I, I personally was not feeling good going into that game and especially going down like two nil at half. Um, also remember, uh, Cajal having my next two Guinnesses lined up when I was n- nowhere near halfway down, like my first, um, but then just, I remember like things being upbeat at the, like toward after Lucas Moore scored the second goal and then like um, everything just blowing up in the pub that day afterward. And particularly when the, uh, the one obnoxious fan, Ajax fan who showed up just started to just shut down and like completely shut up. Lucas. Yeah, no, it was, um, I'll go one further. I'd say that's probably the best day of my entire life, let alone being in Chicago for the past few years. That was, without question, one of the, probably the best day of my entire life, but um, it was probably one of the strangest game experiences because you're so, you went into it with such hope. We were only, we lost that first leg at home, but it wasn't like we got blasted. We only had a one nil loss. So we knew it was within, it was the hope that kills you. So you had that little bit of belief that we could actually get it done that day. And then to have that kind of damaged right off the bat, I think it was within the first five minutes to lick buried that header off the corner. And it was just, you started to kind of lose hope. And then by halftime, you, you still wanted to believe, but there was really nothing really that we weren't playing in a manner in which would cause you to believe. And it was just a bit of Lucas Mora magic. And it was just one person stepping up and basically taking over the entire game. Cause once those two goals went in and we were, we had that second Lucas Mora goal. Once that happened, the next, the next 30 minutes or so, we were just on top of them trying to do everything we could. And I remember that bit where Vertonghen had the, header off the underside of the bar, like with maybe in like the 90th or late 80s. And I thought for sure that once we didn't get that, that that was probably going to be the end of it. But um, like we said, Lucas Moore magic, he was able to get us over the line. And then the rest of that day just became an absolute piss up. (laughs) Everyone just celebrated for the rest of the evening. That was one of those days you don't forget. Tommy. Yeah. I mean, I was there as well. So I guess all of us were there. But the weird thing is, so I was there at the first leg. My friend Mike was actually like, he doesn't care about soccer at all. And he's like, 
he came and buddy he's like and he's like yeah you guys are playing like shit and you know we lose we look disappointing and then i'm like i didn't think we were gonna win with the uh second leg and i'm like yeah i'm probably not gonna go then i realized i'm like what if then i'm like you know what i'm just gonna do it just in case got a little case of fomo potentially so Took a half day, drove from the Burbs to Chicago. The rest is history. And the weird thing is I was actually looking at uh, my Facebook memories. My friend Kevin, who I, he's probably my longest known Spurs uh, friend with him and his friend Ryan. And we were just, both of them were there. And it was actually pretty, it was a great moment just to celebrate with them because it kind of, for the time being right now, it kind of went full circle where we were just kind of, you know, 14 plus years ago, we know each other as Spurs fans, we're kind of down to dumps and then finally get this. Unfortunately, we didn't win, but yeah, I mean, Lucas and Sam would say this is probably my best Spurs moment as a fan in my, what, 21 years. So I'll take it. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to, uh, keep dwelling and relishing that moment for a while because we're in a bit of, we're going to be in a bit of a rebuild like more than likely. So, oh, well, but at least we have this and the kicker with it. And I mentioned some friends and whether it be people here at the bar, uh, my friend, Michael, who lives in Amsterdam, will actually, who I actually will see in a week and a half in Amsterdam, huge Ajax fan actually asked him, to do the trash talk because he's an he, he was an IX season ticket holder. So I'm like, you want to do it? Liven up the uh, podcast. He never did it. Coincidentally, he was actually at the match, and I have been giving him grief about it ever since. So that's one that's one of the benefits about it. So I'll take that. No, uh, it was definitely. Uh, I think for so many Spurs fans, the um, the, the highest uh, peak of their watching especially people who haven't been watching since we uh in the many years since that we've won, won a cup uh lucas you looked like you wanted a final thought here before we yeah. uh move the, the conversation final thing is everyone everyone basically has great memories of that day and whether it be with friends and family and whatnot but i think one of the cool things too was just the actual game itself was so wild that even when we were coming back they still had a couple of opportunities that could have sealed the deal there was like Ziek hit the bar a couple of times. Like we had a couple of really crazy moments. And then once we had the Lucas Moore third goal, we still had to see the game out for two extra minutes. And Lamella lost the ball trying to like nutmeg somebody in our own box and we could have given it away. So it was it was nice, especially just having experienced that Liverpool game the other day where we finally got the goal we were looking for and then we just fuck it up within 45 seconds. It was nice to you, you kind of felt like that was going to happen when we got that third goal. We felt, oh, God, how do we blow this now? Like everyone just begging to have that whistle blown. But it was nice to see us actually see it over the line. That was a, that was a new experience for most, most Spurs supporters. Yeah, no, definitely. What a great day out. Um, it will always uh, hang in, a, in my mind as one of my uh, fi- fi- uh, fondest memories as a Spurs fan, for sure. Um, but uh, let's move the conversation along. So I, I want to talk a bit about this uh, past weekend's match. So we took on Crystal Palace uh, at home. Um, and, uh, you know, Brian Mason came out with a, a completely different type of lineup. And there was a, 
uh, there was players that haven't been available in a, a while in uh, Emerson Royal and uh, uh, Ben Davis seemed like he was back fully fit. Even Basuma made the bench in this one. Um, so a little bit promising changes. Um, and I think a lot of us were kind of questioning what formation is this going to be when we saw that lineup come out. Uh, Tommy, you want to start the conversation? Yeah, um, I was actually kind of, when I saw the lineup, I was like, all right. I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Eric Dyer. He's been inconsistent late, um, albeit not the worst in terms of inconsistency compared to others. But he got benched, so I was like, okay, this is actually kind of interesting. Then I see Emerson Royale come in. Uh, he essentially took Romero's spot. Romero shipped it over to the center back, or true center back. And I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. And yeah, we're all armchair quarterbacks. We're like, uh, I mean, we know he's defensively sound. But I feel like Ryan Mason actually kind of took a page out of Pep, where Kyle Walker and Gary Southgate, where Kyle Walker would sometimes play the right center back. And I thought he did great. Uh, you know, Ben Davis, we know he's not the fastest guy, but you know where you get out of him. I think he did great out of that uh, back four or playing the left wing back. Uh, Pedro Poro, though, I thought he was he was immense. Um, that cross was insane. Um, and, I mean, with Richarlison coming in, uh, starting, I mean, I think he he looked better. I don't think he was great, but... It was. I'm always actually very pleased to see him get a start. It's, but overall with the match, I felt that we, yeah, we won one nil. But Crystal Palace were not. It didn't look like they were actually in danger of. We're, we're gonna. In, we were in danger of giving up that goal. You know, Forrester got the clean sheet. Um, yeah, I wish we scored more goals, but based on the shittiness of April, I'll take what I can get and. I mean, overall, I felt like we didn't – did we dominate? Of course not. But I felt like the team was definitely in control of the game. So, you know, while Benson's probably not going to be head coach or manager, one step at a time, I'll take it. Well, Lucas, this was a pretty tactically fluid formation that we, we saw, wasn't it? I mean – Yes, um, like uh, we were all kind of trying to figure out what the formation was going to be. And even when we started watching it for a while, it took a while to really, uh, well, what's going on here? What are we actually playing? Uh, but I thought that showed uh, um, a lot of character just making uh, with a kind of a fluid setup. What do you think, Lucas? Well, I think well, you kind of hit that on the head there. It was it was hard to kind of decipher what we were what we were going to actually what kind of football we were going to be playing and what formation we were even in, which was finally something that was advantageous for us because if we didn't really know it was, if we weren't ready for it at all, neither was palace. So many times in a row, have we seen the exact same, like we all could tell you exactly what the lineup was going to be, the exact type of formation we were going to be in. And since we've been doing that these last several weeks, the other team knows it too. So they're able to prepare for it. They're able to line up against us and overrun us in the midfield. And then it makes our back three look absolutely horrendous. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like our back line is a bunch of absolute juggernauts. They're not there. We need to upgrade a lot in our defensive backfield, but it's, it's just with you, with guys like Dyer and guys like Romero, how shitty they've been as of recent. It's not because they're horrendous footballers. It's because of the way we've been setting up. And when we don't possess the ball, they get exposed at the back very easily. And so that was really nice to see in this game. We were actually able to contain most of the possession. And when we're doing that, 
our midfield isn't just losing the ball and immediately having a five-man rush on our back three. So it, it was it was nice to see us actually possess the ball a little bit. We were able to work the ball, get some nice opportunities. It was nice to see us have a lot of corners again. I think we had eight in the game. Um, that's more than we've been seeing. And for a team like us that has a really good capability of scoring off corners, it's nice to see us use that attacking style to try and earn some corners and create opportunities like that. So I think it was great to have just – I know it sounds bare minimal, but it's great to actually possess the ball for a little bit and see what happens with these players. And I think we did that really well. Uh, Sam? Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. I mean, I just based on recent performances, I wasn't really expecting much out of this game. I, was, I wasn't expecting a loss. I was expecting a draw, more or less. But, you know, we came out. We possessed the ball. Um, I thought Royal did a... Fairly good job of uh, marking Zaha. Um, not necessarily, wasn't quite how he park, pocketed Grealish against Manchester City, but he did a fairly good job defensively in that department. I thought um, Long Lei uh, played, uh, made some uh, key uh, key tackles in the box, um, which was really encouraging. You know, we could have played better, but at the same time, like it was a different style that was just really refreshing to watch. We we could have scored um, a few more goals, but I was encouraged by like the play of a couple players like Royal and Longley um because like even though like we may not be going to the Champions League, we may or may not qualify for Europe at all. This final month is really important for some players like like Longley or Royal um even going to say as much like Charleston and and Basuma. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I think my favorite play from Langley was that one in like when he actually ended up getting hurt <laughs> when he, he slipped and fell and realized that he was about to let this guy in on goal. So he just leapt at his legs and took him out. I thought we were lucky to not have that be a red card, but it was it was nice to see him actually make that effort and lay him lay his body on the line like that. But yeah, I think we had I think with the defensive like in the like, there were opportunities, like Sam had said, we didn't play perfect. I think Palace had some opportunities, but in a Premier League game, you're going to get that. We, I think, overall, we had the far superior opportunities. I mean, there was that one that Sun went in on, that great ball over the top from, uh, was it uh, was it Romero that hit that? Like, Romero hit that deep ball. Sun took it down perfectly, played around the keeper, and then you just had one of the best saves that we're going to see in the league this year in their goalkeeper, so that was fair enough. It was good to just see us running into the box. I thought Pora was all over the place, and it was so nice to see. He had that free reign when we possessed the ball for a little bit. He now has that free reign to get forward and become really, really dangerous. So I really liked the way that Mason's plan kind of put itself into – it worked itself out really well for us, I think, tactically. From So fair play to Mason. I thought that was a really good, smart decision by him. Well, and Tommy mentioned the uh, – um, the, the – the Kane goal a little bit, like uh, mostly about the Poro part, but um, but what Kane accomplished with that, with the with the the long pass to Poro, where like even like the cameras, like you couldn't even see where that was going. I'm like, oh, well, is he just kicking that out of bounds? But no, there's Poro running onto the ball, um, and then the give go, Kane got right to where he needed to be, and then just a beautiful cross by Poro. I mean, like just that's some professional um, attacking football right there. Um, I was really impressed. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, that was the, I mean, yeah, Kane kind of more or less helped rate the goal and Cora was wide open, which I think over time, 
it'll be a little bit tighter because people are going to see how big of a threat he is. I think the last time we had a great crosser was probably either Kyle Walker or even Sorluka. And, like, the thing with Poro, though, is, like, maybe it's because he had a lot of room and an extra time, but he was looking up, and he's like, okay, I'm going to put this here. Usually when you see from, like, Emerson Royale or Trippier of previous years, it's like they just whip it in and hope for the best. And it was – I felt like Poro with that was pinpoint accuracy, and I – I know he's been hot and cold, but when he's been hot, he's looked really good. And I think once we finally see uh, he gets an offseason in him to get more acclimated to either the team or just the Premier League, like he's going to be, this guy can, he has a very high ceiling. And I'm just excited for the future to see how it, it goes for him. Well, and Tommy, was Kyle Walker even that good of a crosser? Um, he had uh, he had his he, moments. Let's he, be realistic. He he could burn people on that wing and and get past them and drive into the box, but it wasn't necessarily a cross. He just would be able to get the ball. No, well, I mean there was times space. where he could, but it, he was very inconsistent. Felt like, but I Lucas will probably roll his eyes, but I would say of my recent of the recent years, ten plus years, Sor Luca was probably the best crosser, in my opinion, of course. But uh, go I mean, ahead, he must. I think Sam had his hand up next. Oh, no, uh, Lucas? No, it was the, the thing that everyone we've had, a, a, our, our wingbacks and our, and our fullbacks have, unfortunately, since Rose and Walker, that was the last, those were the two last complete guys that we had out on the wings uh, as fullbacks or even wingbacks. And the reason that they were so successful is because they could take the opportunities and they could, they could make the chances by running into the box, kind of like what you said, Anthony. Kai Walker could put a he could put a good cross in, but the majority of his success came from beating people by running past them, and then you're just doing a cutback into the box to find guys, which is a lot easier to do than the actual cross that we saw from Poro, where we've gotten in the habit the last couple of years, unfortunately, of a lot of blind crosses into an area. We have the guys that win the ball out on the on the wing and then just whip it in and there will be one guy standing there with five opposition guys standing around. And that was never a good opportunity. Like that was never going to lead to anything. They just blindly whip it into a space. What we've seen from Poro is something that we saw from Perisic as well, that they're actually playing it to a man. They pick their head up, they identify who they're going to try and pass it to. And then they put it on his head. That's the way you have to do it. You can't just blindly whip it in and hope that Kane jumps over five people. So it was good to see that that option to have a really successful guy that can or a really talented crosser that was able to make a really nice play like that. But I think you're right, Anthony. The ball that Kane played was there's only a few guys in Europe that can make that play. And we've just been sometimes we take for granted how good Harry Sim that he he does stuff like that so routinely. He does multiple plays like that per game where he can just turn around and whip the ball and hit somebody in stride 50 yards away like. Kane is such a good distributor of the ball. It's incredible. And we, we sometimes just get immune to it because of how often and how easy he makes it look. But what he did was a really, really difficult play, found his man out in Poro, and then immediately knew where to go to, to be where Poro could find him. And that link-up play was awesome, and it was so nice to watch. And right before half, where we could go into halftime with that momentum, was that was a really – that was the obviously the play of the game. Sam, you want to jump in here? Sam does not want to talk today. Um uh, but um, 
other other things from this match that um, that people were set, uh, happy with. I, I was very happy uh, that we actually won the possession game. Um, not not that um, Crystal Palace is uh, known for being a possession team, but at home in front of our fans, uh, playing a new formation, uh, d- different lineup. I'm gl- I'm glad that we kept most of the ball. That was uh, that was something for me that was uh, very key here. Um, and even though we didn't have um, a ton of goal scoring opportunities, um, I, I again I think our defense was solid and um, and and we still were able to um, attack in, in in the correct uh, um, attack without uh, putting our defense at risk, which I think that was key. Um, uh, Lucas? Yeah, and I, I think one of the nice parts was, yes, Palace isn't as good as some of the teams that we've just re- recently struggled with, but the ability, like you said, Anthony, with possessing the ball, we allowed ourselves to grow into the game. With the last couple games, like Liverpool, Newcastle, Man United, like what each one of those games, we allowed a goal within the first five minutes. Like, And all of a sudden, we put ourselves on the back foot. We have to completely adjust what we want to do for the rest of the game now. And it was nice to see us actually possess the ball for that first 10, 15 minutes, actually let ourselves grow into the game. And then we could kind of figure out where we wanted to go from there, as opposed to just immediately shooting ourselves in the foot within the first five minutes. So I know it's not this like palace isn't as big of a heavy hitter as some of those teams, but it was nice to see us just actually gr- let ourselves grow into the game and take the game to them. Oh, definitely. Um, any other uh, Thoughts on this game before we go to MVP? No, yeah, okay. Well, I think this is a good spot to go to MVP, LVP then. And uh, we're going to go to MVP and start with Sam. Uh, so for my MVP, I'm going to go with Poro. Um, delivering the cross into Harry Kane was great. He was always threatening down the uh, down the right side. And for, furthermore, um, his delivery on the corner kicks is pretty good. The best we've had in some time. Oh, definitely. Um, let's go to Tommy next. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Sam. I, I said Poro. I thought, like, even outside of the uh, great assist, I thought he was everywhere. He was attacking very well. Everything he asked for for a right wing back. So I will gladly take it. Um, I know Lucas kind of alluded to this before, uh, saying, like, you know, Romero and Dyer haven't been looking good lately because – of how the team is structured and whatnot, but Christian Romero, man, I, I thought he was great as well. He's definitely my honorable mention. I think what he did is, or it, it's kind of what we want to see out of him on a consistent basis. So hopefully he does that. And I mean, also not, I mean, I guess honorable mention as well. I'll give it to Royale. I, I think he did pretty well given the circumstances and, I mean, we know he's not great attacking, but as a right center back, I'll take it. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I, I'm actually going to say uh, I'm going to give it to Poro as well. I think he was he was just, as Tommy said, he was all over the place, and his energy is infectious with those guys when we have the ball, and his ability to get forward is so positive and so fun to watch now. Um, but I will say my honorable mention, I'll give it to Sun. I thought we haven't touched on that. Sun played a really, really good game. He was one of the other guys that was continually trying to get forward and run past players, so... Um, he was unlucky not to get that goal, but 
um, I thought Sun was really, really good. Uh, I'm going to differ from you guys, and I I think I have to give it to Harry Kane. I mean, the magic that he created with that the one play that led to our one goal, and, and I think he was doing it throughout the whole match. Like, I mean, he's um, in this new Mason system, he's found a way to be the f- facilitator and the goal scorer, and uh, w- without, like, kind of... Um, uh, um, in the past, we've seen a lot of Kane, um, like when he has to, to play too much of, uh, like uh, drop back into the midfield too much, he's less effective on the attack. But we seem to have found a good balance with him here, where where he can be that facilitator that we're lacking, and also get himself into positions to to be a goal scorer. Um, I do want to give those uh, the same honorable mentions. I, I my honorable mention is is I think the whole team, um, like the whole the whole team seems to have uh, really found a um, a passion for playing again. Like and seeing guys like Royal who had a, a really good game. I think Ben Davis had a very good game. Son, as Lucas said. Um, the, I think LVP is going to be the tough one here. Uh, because I think everybody really played together in a system, and I, and I want to give Ryan Mason credit to to getting this out of this these players. Just uh, we we've been saying, I want to see them just look like they love playing football again, and I feel like we we have that now. Um, I'm not going to agree with every tactical change that that Mason makes, but at least he's making changes and and uh, using tactics um, other than just a pr- one preferred tactic. So um, I. I I'm feeling pretty good about things right now. Um, Sam, you want to jump in there? Oh, you you you're uh, you put your hand on your head. I thought you were trying to to, to say something. Um, let's go to LVP. Yeah, I was about to uh, start a LVP actually. Okay, go for LVP. So yeah, there wasn't really anybody that really stuck out for me for LVP. Like nobody was in particular spectacular, but nobody was awful either they kind of all played together off each other's strengths so i i can't really name anybody right now okay uh, okay let's uh, uh let's I'll just, go i'll to, piggyback that yeah Lucas. i'll agree because i i don't have an lvp i'll make i'll keep it quick i thought nobody really there was no lack of effort there was no bit like bad giving the ball away it was a it was a pretty good just a base performance from everyone there's no one that i would single out as being the lvp oh, okay uh tommy who do you got yeah you uh i'm, I'm gonna say nobody as well uh you brought it up with the honorable mention i think this team actually played pretty well as a team first time probably this calendar year felt like so i don't you know i think every nobody was deserving of it yeah i i can't give anybody lvp in this one um yeah I, the the subs were good um they, they did what they were supposed to do and they i think they were at the right times um, it was working and we didn't change anything till late, which ordinarily we're saying change something up, changing something up. But I think it felt like it was working. So to wait till later to make the change made sense in this game. So overall, I was very pleased with this, uh, with this, uh, match. Um, any final thoughts on, uh, Crystal Palace before we go to half, uh, Tommy? Yeah. So I know it's Crystal Palace. They don't have a lot to play for. They're mid table. They're safe. But I'm like, I I don't know. I just, this was a good, this was good for my uh, Tottenham self-esteem, so to speak. I think that, yeah, this is a little too late to push for champions in course. We're not out of it, but we need a few active gods. Uh, but at least this is, a, a lot of this 
a lot of the players on the team are going to be here next year, of course, because of the, uh, I mean, we're not going to turn over the squad overnight. If we're going to get Nagelsmann or Ubalver. So I guess we got that go. We're getting a little, we're getting there ever so slightly. So bring on Aston Villa. Okay. Uh, any other before we go to half? Okay. Well, I think this is probably a good place to go to half. So uh, the second half, we are going to take on one of our listener questions. And then we will preview the away fixture to Aston Villa this weekend. Uh, but first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. Luke's Locks! All right, welcome back to Luke's Locks. First up, we are going to take Newcastle minus a half goal away at Leeds. Uh, both sides have everything to play for as we come down to the final couple games. Leeds are coming off a tough loss against Man City and currently sit in the relegation zone at 17th, or excuse me, at 18th. Newcastle are coming off a bad loss to Arsenal and will be looking to bounce back and stay in the top four race. Despite both teams needing the win, Newcastle are the stronger side and have, uh, should have no trouble getting the three points. So lock in Newcastle at minus a half goal away at Leeds. Next is going to be over two and a half goals in the game between our beloved Tottenham Hotspur away at Villa. Uh, Villa are a strong side at home and have no trouble scoring goals. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Spurs defense has no trouble conceding goals. So with the likes of Harry, Sonny, Richarlison, I expect to see plenty of chances for both sides and lots of goals in this game. So lock over two and a half goals in the game between Spurs at Villa. Next is going to be another over, and we'll take over two and a half goals in Man City away at Everton. Everton sit two points safe in 17th place, and will be more attacking and try and grab points, or if they're going to try and grab points, unfortunately, when you play an open game like that against City, we know that City is very capable of bashing in quite a few goals there. So City needing to take the three points to stay atop of the title race has this game with all the markings of a big goal scoring affair. So take over two and a half goals in city and Everton up at Goodison. All right. Last one of the week, we are going to take man United minus a half goal at home versus wolves. Uh, this one's more of a reflection on man United. Mostly man United are coming off a frustrating one nil loss away at West Ham. A hard-charging Liverpool team has been chasing United down for the last couple of weeks, trying to get that last Champions League spot. And United now only have a one-point lead in fourth place above fifth-place Liverpool. It's now or never in these last couple of games, and I think we'll see a focused United team prove too strong for a far less interested Wolves team. So lock in United, minus a half goal at home to Wolves. There you have it. There's your free locks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. I, I think you got some good predictions there. Um, what interests me is uh, that this is a Champions League week, and obviously City's go- going to want to perform in that. But um, but I have a bad I have a feeling for them that they they aren't going to um, uh, be able to beat out uh, Real Madrid in their match tomorrow. Um, and then uh, they're definitely going to want be refocused on the uh, title race at that point. Uh, so yeah, I think your your lock prediction is pretty good there, Lucas. Um, well, I want uh, want to move the uh, the conversation along into our one listener question that we have. So uh, so uh, Shubes, uh, always a loyal listener, asks us uh, 
Uh, it's kind of a lengthy question, some statements in there, but uh, the, the question kind of comes at the end. Um, Tommy, I'll let you uh, kind of uh, filter out what, what Chubbs is asking. I'll just read the whole thing um, because it kind of just builds up. So, Chubbs, I'll uh, see you in, what, two weeks? Hopefully you're doing well. Um, he was at the match at the end or on uh, Saturday against Crystal Palace and the stadium had many screens showing the city leads game as they were ours. And uh, our season has boiled down just to rooting against Arsenal as it was much for the first decade of the Wenger era. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we were pretty bad back then. Um, not asking about managers, players, directors of football, extra, etc. But within the club's control, would you like, would you like to see come into place be more transparency, engagement, and fan groups and whatnot, or what within the club's control? So, like, what, what do you want to hear more? I guess from the club, um, the transparency, engagement, fan groups. Uh, it was discussed last week that they had like a fan type thing where you can kind of voice your opinion. So at least that's a start. I know the supporters' trust is pretty big with Tottenham. I think with the club, uh, I think it's like every month or two. They have like a meeting with Daniel Levy and the powers that be, but I don't know. For me, I I would say I mean, engagement. I mean, I increase engagement. You do you provide a better product on the field. So I think for us, it's just like, what are your goals for the next few years? Are you guys actually going to rebuild? What are you going to do? Break the bank, et cetera. But Lucas, you had your hand up. Yeah, for for me, it's there's two things in that to unpack. The first thing with the how he mentioned that. Now our season just comes down to basically rooting against Arsenal. It does have an old retro feel to it now that that's, that's bang on. That is what our main point of the season is at this point, is to just hope they don't win the league. But at least that's not something that was – we had a bad season. They had a great season. It happens. It just – at this point, that's all we have to look for. It wasn't as we went into the season saying, oh, I hope our only goal is to be better than Arsenal. It's like, no, we had higher expectations, and they blew up on us. This was a crazy year. Um, but – for in terms of the question about what would I like to see, I think you just touched on something there, Tommy, and Shubes touched on the word transparency. I want our goals as a club to be clearly communicated to us as the fans. What is our goal? Are we happy being a, just a top four team and hopefully see how things go? But our goal every year is to just be in the top four. Are we happy just saying our only trophies that we care about winning are the League Cup and the FA Cup? Are we saying, oh, we, all we care about is maybe finishing in a European spot. What are our goals? Is winning the league something that is our goal? Is that If that's communicated to us, then we can look and say, okay, well, why aren't we doing – why would this be something that we did? Why would we make this choice if our goal is to win the league? Why would we do X, Y, and Z if you've said our goal is to win the league? Or our goal is to – it just it, – if you provide the transparency to the fans, we no longer can – it, then we can actually have a, like a better basis as to what our thought process is when we make some of these decisions. Like if you were to tell me our goal is to win the league and then you hire your 11th choice manager in Nuno, that doesn't add up. But if you tell us, oh, well, we're just trying to hopefully get in the top four every year, then we can kind of have a better idea as to why we're making some of these moves. But if you, if you, if you make it clear, it also adds the fact if you make it clear as to what your intentions are and what your goals are, then you basically have to put your money on, or you have to put your money where your mouth is and start making some decisions that are going to make that happen because we can't be a team that just 
hopes for top four and expect to compete with the likes of Liverpool, Man United, City, and now Newcastle, who are going to be spending this big-time money to try and go win the Premier League or win the Champions League. If, If that's what our goal is, then we'll have to see actions reflect that. And that's what I think is really important to me is just the transparency in communicating what our goals are. Uh, Sam? Yeah, I agree with you, Lucas. Um, like, the, the goals have to be clearly communicated, especially the where we are right now without a sporting director and a, and a permanent manager. And I think um, whatever happens with when we fill both those positions will say a lot about the intentions, but at the same time, like, it has to, like, we have to have, like, almost like a three to five year plan at this point. You know, our plan is to for is is we're going to play this way this year. We're going to do this this year. We're going to do that. And like by a certain point, we plan on competing for major honors, the league, Champions League, yada, yada. Um, Just be transparent in that regard. So, you know, so the fans in in Britain can, you know, know what they're doing when they're purchasing their season tickets or even we here in the States when we're planning a trip abroad. Um, you know, it, it all comes down to fan experience and what our expectations are. So that just has to be more clearly communicated. Yeah, and I think uh, like some of the stuff that Shubes was mentioning at the end there, a lot of that is just cosmetic. Um, that really isn't any type of significant change. Like the the, the change really has to come come from how how the club communicates in general, as as you guys are saying. Like it, we we need to be clear about what it is. And I, I hate to fucking go to fucking Arsenal with this, but like uh, Arsenal was very clear that this was uh that they were under a, like a, a rebuild project that the, the, the trust the process with Arteta and yeah we made fun of it and poked fun of it but yeah it it worked and it, and if we're if we come out and have a message about really how we plan to be successful um, then I think we all can get behind it for sure uh, Lucas yeah and that's a big thing is getting behind it it's easier to I will always be able to, I will always back our decision makers and I will back our manager and I will back our players as long as we know what the plan is. It's much, if you're telling me, even if it doesn't end up working, even if it doesn't end up, even if it isn't the best plan in the world, as long as you tell me that there's a plan, I'm going to get behind you because we're Tottenham Hotspur. I'm going to back it and I'm going to believe in it, whether or not it works, who knows? But like, I, I would rather do that than just float around in limbo and have no idea what our plan is and how are we supposed to get excited about a new hiring if we only think he's going to be there for a year? We don't even know what kind of football we're going to play. So the, the communication is big. And in terms of the fan experience, like match days and stuff like that, yeah, the atmosphere is not great right now. But that mostly reflects the football. You know what's a great match experience? Winning. You know what's not? Getting your ass kicked. And then all of a sudden it turns into this shit show and it's not a good place, not a good We've used the term toxic before. It can feel toxic in the atmosphere there, but it's fun to win. It's fun to be good. So if we can put the plan in place and put the product out on the pitch, then you'll see that the fan experience will be a much better thing on game days and the atmosphere in the crowd is going to be great, but it, it, it can't come. The players can't be the, or the, the fans can't be the reason that 
the players become good. The players being good is one of the reasons that the fans can get behind it and celebrate the kind of football you're playing. So the main thing is you got to put the product out there and then you'll see the, and that comes from them. We can't make those decisions, but once we put the product out there, then we'll see the match day experience be a much better thing for everyone. Yeah. And I know Shub's asked us specifically not to talk about the, the, the coach or director of football situation here, but I do think that they play in. And I think like a big difference maker will be is if the, the next coach that we have is somebody that, um, that seemingly falls in love with the club. They're not just there for the paycheck. They're, uh, they're not a bounty hunter uh, trying to prove that they can uh, win at Tottenham uh, to, to make the case for how good of a coach they are. Um, I, whoever it is, I want to see their commitment to the club and, and see them fall in love. Because the one thing, like, I, we, I know we have all have lots of good and bad things to say about Pochettino, but I, I do firmly believe that Pochettino wasn't in love with the club. And I'd like to see our next coach to, to, to have, have that same thing. And I know that doesn't come right away, um, but, but we need to see that forming pretty early on. Um, and it can't be an adversarial relationship between the, the coach, the director of football, and the, and the club. Um, it, it needs to be a partnership. Um, and I think that will go a long way to, uh, to, to what Shubes is talking about here uh, with fan relations. Um, Oh, I think this was an excellent conversation, uh, but I do want to shift the conversation into our uh, match this weekend. So, uh, so this weekend we will be taking on Aston Villa away this uh, this uh, Sunday, um, and currently, I'm sorry, Saturday uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, currently, Aston Villa is in eighth place in the league with 54 points. That's 16 wins, six draws, and 13 losses. Uh, they did lose away to Wolves this past weekend. Um, prior to that, lost to Man U, beat Fulham, drew Brentford, and beat Newcastle. Um, their top goal scorer is Ollie Watkins with 14. Um, uh, Douglas Louise and Watkins both are uh, equal on assists at five, and Louise is uh, the top-rated player for them. Uh, we did lose to them uh, in January. Uh, 2-0, uh, which was kind of a, a frustrating a loss at home. Um, and this is the away fixture. Um, but we did beat them, our two prior engagements. Uh, how are you guys feeling on this Aston Villa match? Uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, Sam first. I'm not necessarily looking forward to it. Um, Aston Villa, you know, they're... They may be a little bit consistent, but ever since they fired Steven Gerrard, they have been you know, pretty damn good. I think I was walking into the Atlantic right before, God, I forget what match that was, uh, Bournemouth, and I, and I saw them up 3-0 at home against uh, Newcastle. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not looking forward to the trip to Villa Park. Um, but that being said... Um, I do um, hope I I was slightly encouraged by last weekend's performance. I do hope that we can be uh, we we can take that and really try to get some possession. I don't think our midfield may get much against uh, McGinn, Louise, or Buendia. Um, but let's see. 
Um, if Basuma is was good enough to be on the bench, I hope he can at least start this game because that would give our midfield a little bit more hope. He's a little bit more forward in possession than um, uh, Skip and Hoiber are. Um, let's let's see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we won, but wouldn't be surprised if we draw. Wouldn't be surprised if we lost five nil. But that's why we play the match. And that's a good shot there about Basuma. I would love to see what uh, May- Ryan Mason can get out of Basuma uh, if he's fit enough to play a significant amount of uh, time. Because we did, we saw for sure that he was a very different player than he was under Conte when he was at uh, Brighton. So, uh, Lucas? Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think we'll see Basuma start um, after a severe injury like that with only a couple games left in the season. There's really no need to rush him out there and give him a full 90, especially this is a guy that we really hope turns into a, being like a new signing this summer. If he, we have a lot of high plans for him next season and he's going to be a really important player for us. So I don't think that there's any need to rush him out and risk a potential another injury of any kind. So I, I would like to see him probably come off the bench and get some like meaningful minutes in maybe the last 30, 25 minutes or so. I think that would be great to see, and it'd be really good for him and his confidence. Um, but I think the main thing for me is I just feel so weird about this game because obviously every time we take the field, you want to win. But with this battle, we're most likely not going to be finishing in Europa because Brighton's two points down on us and they have two games in hand. So it'll probably be Brighton where we're looking at either finishing seventh or eighth and we'll be doing that battle with Villa. And it's 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 very strange because the winner of this game will most likely go on to be in that conference league spot. And I just do not want that. So it feels so strange to be going into a game thinking, obviously, I want to win because every time Tottenham plays, I want them to win. But then in the other hand, I'm thinking, God, if we have to do fucking conference league next year, I'm going to snap. I hate that tournament so bad. And I'm just... I'm really torn. I hope we win. But at the same time, I'm like, if we were to end up dropping three points here and they get all three, I would, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Tommy. Yeah. My thoughts are kind of just a mixture of both Sam and Lucas. I don't have a lot of hope. Uh, Aston Bull have been on a tear lately. And I mean, how Sam said with Steven Gerrard, like, you know, Unai Emery comes in and, this is, I mean, they were pretty much like a, the second half champions of the season, if you think about it. They they were doing so great. Hats off to Nia Emery and him whipping this squad shape. Yeah, they lost the last two matches, but they've been doing very well. Uh, I don't I don't even think the fans thought they could even get Europe after the whole Steven Gerrard ordeal. So, um, yeah, we won last Saturday, but... It's become. I, I wouldn't be surprised at the cliche of Spurs, where we have a great win or we actually win, but then we get brought back down to earth by losing our time to Aston Villa. I actually don't even know what my prediction will be, but I might actually be a little more vigilant. Um, Lucas, I'll get to you, in, or I'll let you respond after my quick thing. Uh, the thing with Basuma, though, it's yeah, I wouldn't mind parking him for the rest of the season just because. Yeah, we might qualify for Europe, but what else, how you said, we don't, what else do we have to play for? Let's, you know, Dayon came off his injury. He didn't look, he's looked suspect at times. I think it's because injuries lingering. So, like, let's not bring him out of, unless we need to. Let's have, make sure he's 100% by the start or mid-August. 
Um, Lucas, do you have something quick? Yeah, my, my whole thing was kind of something that you touched on with that, how we come off a good game and then we seem to have the next game not look good at all. Like that we've been kind of flip-flopping back and forth between decent performance and then shitty performance, decent performance, shitty performance. So I think that'll be an interesting talking point for this game is that do we have what it takes to now put two games in, or can, can we move our momentum forward? We had a nice second half against United, and then we came out and we dropped the ball and got smacked in the first 10 minutes against Liverpool. But then we put together 80 minutes of really, really good play against Liverpool and then lost focus and blew it. And then we put together a nice performance, a decent performance, moving in the right direction type of performance against Palace. Now how do we respond? We're going to go play a tough game on the road. Do we come out and we do exactly what we did against Manchester United, Liverpool, and uh, Newcastle, where we fall asleep for the first 15, and 15 minutes? I mean, do we go down 2-0? Or do we actually move in the right direction and keep the momentum moving forward and actually come out with a strong start and show a bit of maturity from these players? So that's going to be really interesting to see what we do there. And I'm hoping that we can actually carry and get carry carry on going in the right direction and try and use these last couple games as at least just some kind of momentum to go into the preseason and the offseason and have a little bit more positivity around the club and for these players. Well, with you guys and your thoughts on the Conference League, and I don't particularly want the Conference League either, um, but we also have this problem, like we don't know who our coach is going to be. We have all these players coming back from loan that have to go someplace. It's going to be really tough to unload a lot of these guys, even if we want to sell them. Um, And we could be sitting on a very deep squad of players that we don't necessarily have minutes to play if we we don't have... uh, um, any other competition. And yes, if like we were to make the conference league, I don't want to see Harry Kane playing all those games. I don't want to see Sun playing all those games. Um, Richarlson sparingly, um, uh, assuming these guys are still on the team next year. But, um, but I also don't want to see us have a bench that we're barely using. That's never fresh. Um, I would I would love to see like if Skip's not going to be like uh, our our midfield next year because like Basuma's back and healthy and then maybe we buy another midfielder. Um, I I want to see those guys be able to play in uh, in one of those midweek competitions that way. Even if we get knocked around and and, and don't look that good, I just want some meaningful minutes for those guys. Um, so, but that being said, if we were to unload a bunch of guys and we thin down the squad a lot and stuff like that, then yeah, I'd, I'd be with you guys. I don't want that competition, but I know I'm, I've gotten a tangent and we've gotten away from Villa, but, uh, go ahead, Lucas. Well, I agree. And like in, in principle, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. The problem is we never do it. So when we've had, like, if you were to guarantee me, okay, you get conference league, but I guarantee you every conference league game is just going to be rotation for bench players to get them minutes young kids uh like give some of the young guys that are on that train with the first team give them minutes and we don't care whether or not we win or lose but we're just going to use it as training games and getting these guys reputable or like repetition in minutes if you would guarantee me that i'd be all for it but the problem is we've seen time and time again we go into the europe we go into europa we go into conference league and then we're still playing guys like harry kane still going to play and sun's playing Hoybeer is like our only healthy midfielder, so he has to go play. And it just it turns into a, a shit show, and it's and a lot of extra games that a young 
or like a, a team in transition shouldn't be trying to worry about more than one game a week right now. And that's what we're going to see a big transition this summer. We're going to see new faces. We're going to see a lot of guys out and we're going to have a new manager in that's trying to implement his way of playing football. And it's a lot of extra games. And if we wear down our squad, it's going to make, it could set us back where like it could set us back a couple of years as to where we're trying to go. So you you looked like you wanted to jump in there too. Oh no. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, uh, any final thoughts on this, uh, Villa? Like, what type of formation do you guys expect to see here? Like, uh, Mason's full of surprises, uh, Tommy? Sorry, I forgot to hit on you. Um, I actually wouldn't mind if he actually continued this formation of what he had, has right now. It, this is, like, the first thing that's worked over a string of 0 to 90 since what, March, February at least? So like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I know Aston Villa is going to be a little bit tougher compared to Aston Villa, but, or what did I say? Aston Villa is going to be a lot tougher compared to Crystal Palace. That's what I meant. So, I mean, maybe we can, I mean, if we have Royale, uh, what, Longley and Romero is the back three, that so be it. Or, I mean, maybe. Uh, what's his name? But is is Langley going to be healthy? That's the question too. Yeah, he came off. I mean, maybe, I mean, we can bring back in Dyer then, because I mean, the other thing would. I mean, I thought, uh, what's his name, Christian Romero looked very comfortable as the true center center back. So maybe move Dyer to the left, and uh, Parasich. I mean, maybe Parasich got rotated out because. He's been logging on a lot of miles as well, so maybe he starts as the left wing back um, and see how that goes. But overall, I think what he – I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't stray too far from what he did on Saturday. And if so, if it works, it works. So, I mean, we got, what, three games left? These are – I mean, if we make Europe, whether it be Europa or conference, I mean, whatever, so – if not, whatever. Ryan Mason's, he's got three free games now. It's pretty, I, I would assume that he's not in contention for the managerial job. This is just to build experience. He has respect from the club. He's a lifelong Spurs fan, youth player, et cetera. So it's like, he can tinker a little bit. And I mean, well, I'd be disappointed if we lose. Yeah, a little bit. But the argument can be, or at least my argument is like, if we did lose and Ryan Mason tinkered around, I'm like, you know, at least you did that. You did that compared to Antonio Conte, um, Cellini, and Pochettino. So I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Uh, other uh, thoughts, uh, Sam? Yeah, let's. I, I would say just keep the formation. Um, obviously, Langley may not be able to play. Like it looked like he hurt his shoulder. If anybody's hurt their shoulder before, they could tell you that it it sucks because you don't really realize how much you use your shoulder until you hurt it. Um, so I, I don't expect him to be uh, to play, um, but might, might as well just say, fuck it, go with it. Work for us once. We got we look actually look good for once. Let's just do it. Or I would say maybe um, Mason's. Uh, uh, Mason seems to be a tinkerer, um, and uh, like he's going to go with uh, the 
best possible uh, lineup that he can think of in formation and strategy for the team that he's playing. Um, and he's not always going to get that right, but I, uh, he's going to at least try something. So I could see it being a little bit different, especially without Langley available. Like uh, that might change uh, things. He might have to move Ben Davis into that position and maybe Perisic comes back in, in this one. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, I think he's going to want to keep it more this, uh, fluid. Like at times there's a press, uh, at times there's not, uh, uh, he backs off the press, but it seems to be, uh, a, a planned, um, part of the strategy to press at certain times. Um, and I'm sure he's going to keep that going and he's going to be, uh, focused on, uh, um, who, who Villa have. So, like, obviously ha- going to have to have a good plan for how they handle Ollie Watkins. Um, yeah, I, and I think that will go into a big part of the setup. But um, the one thing I've uh, learned with Mason is, like, I um, I can't predict him, which is, uh, is refreshing to me at this point. Um, I think this is a good spot to go to predictions. Uh, so let's uh, – we just heard from Sam, so let's go to Lucas first for predictions. Um, I will say 2-2, and I'll say the goal scorers are Kane and Richarlson. Okay, uh, I could see it happening. I hope I hope we win, but uh, tell me, uh, what's your prediction? I predict 2-1, I don't think we're going to be able to keep... I think Bassville is pretty decent, so I don't think we're going to... I think we're going to give up at least a goal. So, uh, goal scorer is kind of the usual. Kane, he's always dependable, of course, and I'll just give it to Sun. He's been looking a lot better recently, so let's hope that he gets rewarded with a goal. Okay, uh, Sam. Oh, one second. Um, I'm gonna go with two-two. Um, go with Lucas, but I think uh, Son's gonna get both goals. Um, just going off his performance at Aston Villa last year, where he. Uh, scored a couple good ones where he was just running at, at their line. I think he can do that again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we are going to win this. Um, I, I just got a feeling about it that like maybe, um, uh, Mason has something figured out here. Um, and Mason really, really wants to, to, to show cause Mason does want the job. I don't know that he can win it with these four, four games that he has left and the, the ones that he's already coached. Um, but I do think he wants to show that he deserves the job. Um, and I think we could see some, uh, some creative tactical solutions. Uh, uh, I'm going to say three, one, uh, victory, um, pretty convincing against this very good Aston Villa side at their home. But, um, but we did last time that we took them out at home, we did win four nil under a Conte team, albeit, um, I'm going to give a goal to Kane, uh, goal to Sun, and I'm going to say a goal to Dan Juma. Um, maybe that's a late one off the bench. Um, any final thoughts uh, on the, the, the week that was, uh, the week that's coming up, just in general about our state of coaching and where the club's at? Um, who wants to just tackle a, a general wrap-up uh, t- conversation? Lucas? Yeah, I think, honestly, my last final thoughts would just be let's really hope that these players can, like I said, show up early and 
get get off on the right foot against Villa and in terms of the club and the manager and stuff. I hope that I hope that like right now that there's behind the scenes stuff that we don't know what's going on, but I hope that the club is taking the right steps to try and get the best candidate in for the job. And I hope that like we talked about, we see some of that transparency and we see it be made clear what our what our goal is. And I think we'll see that by by who we bring in as the manager. I think that'll be the first step. Sam? I I think these last few games are a very important set of games for um, a select group of players in terms of what their place is going to be in the squad next year, what their um, place um, or if, what their next move is going to be. So I wouldn't I, – I, I just hope that these certain players would show up um, and just for that sake, whether it be like Charlson, Hoiber, um, Longley has done that in recent weeks. Um, I, I just hope they they show up and you know that um, we we can win. Their performances do show that. Yeah, and uh, to your point, Sam, I think a lot of this is for them is about showing that whoever the next coach might be, what they have. So when they come in, the the, the they can see like, oh, I, I saw some uh, some real durability towards the end of that season out of these players. Uh, um, once the the season was out of the way. Uh, go ahead. You can uh, jump back in there, Sam. Yeah, like, because, you know, whoever the next manager is, I mean, there's several candidates, whether it be Nagelsmann, Arnie Slot, Luis Enrique, um, Xabi Alonso, or even Mason. They're all wa- – they, they, they're considering it. They're watching no matter what. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good place to, to, to wrap things up as well. Uh, so, um, I'm, I'm Anthony. You can find me on Twitter at Calihan42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N-4-2. Uh, Tommy, where can they find you? I'm also on the Twitter. Uh, my handle is Lily White Coys, just the way it sounds. And yeah, hopefully you interact with me. Uh, Sam, where can they find you? I can be found, um, at Twitter. Um, I run the, uh, Four Star Spurs Twitter account. Um, also the uh, Facebook page, and you can also find me on Facebook, Sam Mills. Lucas, where can they find you? Uh, I'm at Twitter and Instagram, all one word, Lucas Rusky, L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E. Like I always say, jump on anytime and chat spurs with me. Great. Well, but I think that, that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to Tommy, Lucas, and Sam for being on today. And thanks to Tommy for editing, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Come on out and watch with us this weekend. Um, Find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. And hit the subscribe where you can on those, and uh, write us a review where you can. Um, And like us wherever you can find us. Uh, Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you friends.